I'm not a huge guy for introductions, but so I'll do a little brief one here. So, so Arjun Palawell, uh, head of research and investor kit was ha- uh, good enough to join me today. So thanks again for coming on Arjun. How are you? Mate, I'm very well. And thanks for having me. It's always, uh, you know, good to spend some time on the mic and just have some banter with each other. Yeah, hundred percent. I wondered if we could, we could start the show by if, if anybody listening who, who wasn't sure who you were or what Investor Kit's all about. Could you give us a bit of an, uh, an intro of who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure thing. So um, I'm Arjun Palio, Head of Research at Investor Kit. Uh, in the simplest of forms, I'm a property investor that's um, scaled my portfolio uh, together with my wife. And uh, we're working closely now with many investors from first time to extremely experienced and ultra high net worth. Uh, to do the same for their for their portfolio. So whether it's getting time back, whether it's building generational wealth, um, whether it's just learning more about you know markets and research, um, that's that's kind of where we come in as buyers agents to help uh, clients grow their portfolios. How long how long have you been in this space as well, the industry uh, at large? Yeah, four years now. Um, okay. Just uh, hit that mark here and. Uh, I guess it's been a lot of learning, uh, mm. a lot of a lot of growth for our clients in between, um, and a lot of reflection now on what's really been some core moments for us and where things really took off. Yeah, okay. And, and it might be a bit of an insider baseball sort of question I'm about to ask, but I think in in past episodes, I think you said you used to work in banking. Yeah, so banking yeah, okay. was uh, where the love for property, I wouldn't say where it started, but where mm. it grew the most. Yeah, okay. And uh, that definitely played a key part in terms of my learning journey. Uh, mm. The banking area has a lot of areas where we get to learn about real estate, but then there's a lot of gaps too and where we don't get to learn about it. But especially that whole, you know, property is a game of finance with houses thrown around. So um, it's definitely that finance piece that I picked up in my time as a, a bank manager. Mm. And so from bank management to what you're doing now, what what was... Was there a series of events or choices that had to take place or were you sort of always in the back of your head thinking like even when you were getting into banking, like did you know where you wanted to end up with InvestorKid or was it something you you came up with later? Look, it definitely came up with, uh, with time. Mm-hmm. Mentally, I knew that um, following my father's footsteps, I wanted to be in, in business. And so, you know, from having, whether it be control, whether it be time, whether it be, um, you know, uh, limitless potential or the people that you can directly impact. Those are the core drivers for, for business. But then when it came to Investicat itself, it was a combination of the love for property data, um, what I'd personally done on our portfolio, uh, where I'd seen other buyers agents really make some pretty poor mistakes for their clients, as well as what they'd done really well for clients. Um, and then just the, the love for real estate and, and how it can help people and that's where it all came together to sort of start investigate. It wasn't something I left work knowing that I was going to do, but I left work at a time where I could and then thinking it through, had some time to myself and that's where it was formed. Mm. Were, you, were you scared at all doing it? Like, was it a scary challenge to take on? I, I know that's a bit deep. I just wonder sometimes when people start their own business, like I can imagine it'd be a bit... Not, I don't know. It just seems like a really stressful endeavor to get started. I'm sure. Yeah, I think um, what's uh, I'd say the getting started has never been a thing for me. That's been stressful or scary. It's probably been more exciting than anything else because mentally you have this, um, 
I guess, belief or self-confidence to say, hey, like, you know, you're here to give this a really good crack. Mm. I think weird, weird times uh, really challenge you in the earlier phases of business is when you mentally think you're doing everything that you're supposed to be doing and it's not producing what you want to see. And so it's not the start, but I'd say it's that six to 12 month period where you're meeting people for coffees, you're in and deep in the research, you're meeting every single person, you're jumping up on the social medias, you're doing podcasts, you're doing other stuff, you're doing everything you can. And you feel like, hey, this is what everyone does though. Why isn't mm. it working for me, right? Mm. That's, the, that's the starting part in which um, I think business gets challenging. And then the moment of bliss and the moment of feeling like, hey, this is somewhat working here is actually when you strip back. And that's when you strip back to go, this is where people value me. And this is where people uh, want to engage our team and engage mm. our services. This is what led them to doing that. And this is what made them feel comfortable about that. And this is who we are, who we stand for, who we want to liaise with. Mm. And it's actually that whole process of doing less that you start to find that sweet spot of going, this isn't scary. This is more just um, doing what I always wanted to do. So that's kind of the starting period. So no, not so start, uh, hard to start it. But once mm. I was in and you're doing everything and not everything's working, that's the mm. moment where things get a bit scary. It might change with what business that person is, the person's beginning, but there might be a point where you're doing everything right that you sort of, you think that those, these are the, the factors I need to get 100% spot on but the results don't always come straight away and you've sort of just got to stay the course a little bit, right? And just sort of have faith in what it is you're doing and then the results will come, yeah. Yeah, and then that's when as the years go by, things start to go really well for clients and I think that's the biggest um, point where you go, hey, you know, so many customers are benefiting from this and your self-confidence goes to another level to hire more um, you know, expand more, market more, um, clarify your vision, clarify your your values and, mm -hmm. and get deeper on that. And that's kind of where once you see the success of those you're trying to help, that's what inspires you a bit more to just go to that next level. Mm, okay. Before we move on to the next thing, I thought I'd, I wanted to plug this too. I was saying to my, my dad, uh, Dave, who we do the podcast with, I was quite interested and excited to talk to you today because I've been listening to your voice in my ear for like as long as the nerds podcast has been going on. So it's a little weird if I'm being honest, because I, <laughs> I, I like, but I was listening to you guys doing it back in the days before uh, your, your wife is at Lee came on board. So it's been, uh, it's been a while, right? I was going to ask, could you maybe give the guys a bit of an idea what the property nerds podcast is and how they can find it? Yeah. So the property nerds podcast, you can find it on Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, um, and what, what it's really about is a safe place for nerds to feel like nerds, really. Um, <laughs> going through property data like we've never gone through before, um, headlines, trends, getting rid of the crappy articles that people see that just aren't relevant, uh, bringing on guests who are also nerds and love nerding out too. The idea here is that, you know, we saw property podcasts all over Australia and realized that many of them look to simplify everything as much as possible. And I just realized, hey, look, whilst I love to do that, I want to just have a comfortable space where I can chat about all the things I legitimately would talk about if friends were to ask me things about the market or mm. markets. And that's my space. That's where I feel, um, you know, my head will be down in a social event and 
you know, I could do the hi, hellos, how you been, how you going, all that sort of stuff. Um, mm. You know, how's the weather today? But beyond that, there's not a lot of things outside of maybe basketball, video games, and of course, property that interests me. Mm. And so it's a space where I felt the the property side of us could really come out and and as the title suggests, really nerd out. And so people who are data lovers, people who love research, people who are finding themselves in finance industries, um, legal industries, IT professionals that just very technical roles, engineering roles. I find a lot of them reach out to us afterwards to go, hey, look, I really love the data and numbers that you guys you know, show on here. So I think people find it's very hard to tackle on podcasts because there isn't that visualization piece. Mm. There isn't that you know, going deeper into something, but I just thought, Hey, stuff it. We're just going to go through it because we enjoy it. And I'm sure there's a whole bunch of others out there that uh, enjoy just the nerdy side of um, researching property markets. Hmm. Yeah, you do. You guys do a great job too, of breaking down sort of what numbers might actually like what factors might actually influence a market's growth compared to ones that are sort of it's not a causation. Do you know what I mean? Like you'll mm. sort of separate it a lot better. I think you guys have done a good job. You should be proud of what you've done there. Seriously. It's a great podcast. It's really good, dude. Thank um, you, Maida. I think I just need to make it happen a bit more frequently. We're doing the mm. monthlies and we might try and change it a fortnightly in the future, but so far monthly is the perfect balance. Yeah. Sweet. We'll, we'll, we'll keep watching that space then for, for people listening. The, um, the next thing I wanted to ask you about is, is sort of the whole impetus of the show. Um, so I'm 25 now, but when I started the podcast, I think I was 23 or 24. I can't remember. It was sometime in COVID and I was broke living with my mom and dad, having lost my job due to COVID and sort of trying to figure out what to do with my life. And a big part of what this podcast has become is me learning from people within the industry about what mistakes they made as young people and what advice they'd give themselves as young people if they could go back to that, that time. And uh, that's, that's the, whole, the whole goal of this, really. So I can sort of learn from other people's mistakes as well as learn about how they've invested and how they've treated their careers so I can sort of try and um, replicate some of the same success. So I wondered if, if you can think and look back to your 25-year-old self and I guess if you could go back to that person, what would you say to that Arjun? Like what advice would you give him? Mm. Oh, this is such a tough question and a good one, by the way. Um, I think like I, I always like to look at advice in the in the keep doing and then perhaps stop doing or change. Okay. On the on the keep doing side, um, I do genuinely believe that my work ethic during that time was very different to most around me. Um, and for full transparency, I was very fortunate to be earning, what, double six figures at that age. And I mm. share this transparently so people don't feel like there's this nothing to something portfolio build. I was on, mm. on good money at that time. Um, and the reason why that all happened, I feel, was obviously the mentors, the leadership around me, the opportunities that opened. But I, I was first in the gym out, last in the gym, as they say in the basketball world, um, for for my workplace. And so I'd say, like, keep doing that to that person for any moment that 25 year old me was going to have a moment of giving up or not feeling comfortable or feeling like, Hey, you know, should I keep doing it? That would be my first thing to say, keep doing in terms of the change. Um, there, there was that time of life was also a time of life where 
um, because things were going better than the typical 25 year old, um, there was sometimes I'd be doing things for others, not for me. And by others, I don't mean giving. I mean, uh, if you wanted to drive a nice car, go on a trip or get something nice, it wasn't because I, I wanted it. It was because I was thinking of how others may see me in that way. Okay. Um, so I feel like worry less about how others will see you at that, you know, because you don't need to flaunt it. You don't need to do, have all of that stuff. That stuff comes in good time as, as business and career goes successfully. And you pick your moments where you can enjoy those moments, but you do it to fulfill yourself as the reasons rather than to do it for the sake of someone and what they may think about you. So I think now I'm in a you know position where far more you know, financially successful than that time. But um, I probably wore better clothes back then than I do today. I probably drove better cars back then than I do today and, and everything like that. Um, mm. And it's all because today I'm, I just see things differently and not to say I don't enjoy them from time to time, but I, I pick my moments to do it for me because mm. I want to, or I want to do it for a family member because I think I want to see them happy or make them feel um, better, but I don't do it for others. So that's the big advice I'd give to myself back then. Mm. Did you find yourself as a younger guy, maybe yeah, buying the nice car because what that might have looked like to everybody else, rather than because you really needed that car? Do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't, it wasn't a decision for you. It was for others' perception of you to increase in some way. Yeah, totally. I mean, like. I'm positive that the same things that made me feel happy then are the same things that make me feel happy today. Mm. But back then I did all those extra stuff and that wasn't part of what I have today. And so from, from my perspective today, and I think about it and I just go, um, watching basketball, playing basketball, playing basketball virtually, <laughs> talking about basketball. So that's my basketball lane. Mm. The same with video games family time, uh, travel and experiences, real estate, my business and helping clients through that business, helping my team grow through that business, help my multiple other businesses where I work with, you know, uh, friends, friends of friends, family to help them start something because they need that extra push. And I feel like I, you know, I can help them with that and I believe in them. So like, these are the things I take joy in today, right? And so um, that was pretty much the things I'd, I'd, I'd have interest in back then, but instead of businesses in Korea, um, except that there was just a whole bunch of other fluff on the top that really mm. didn't need to have its space. You know, that's where I feel like um, there's a lot of people out there that perhaps feel the same, like they need to show for someone else to make them think of them in a certain way. There's always going to be a small percentage of people who do it because they love the designer clothes or the cars and then other stuff. And they love it. That's okay because it makes them feel really good about themselves for themselves. Um, but for me, that wasn't the case. And so that's kind of what I've learned today that I'd give advice back, keep working your butt off. But then the second thing is don't worry about the stuff in between where you think you have to show off for others. Mm. And sort of the second part of that, and you sort of brought it up with the investing stuff and real estate might have been the main vehicle for you. Um, what what got you into investing to start with? Like, was it a, a 
was it a family figure that uh, was sort of interested in it that sort of parted the, the knowledge onto you that made you interested in it? How did it all, how did it all come about? Um, there was two parts. So two or three parts this, right? One part, it was accidental. Accidental mean, meaning um, you're looking at it for your home. Your home's a big milestone to you. You, you want to see the, the smile on your family's face who can be there with you, enjoy it and um, have that thing ticked off for them being from another country back home from New Zealand and moving here. So that was one big thing. The second big thing would be my dad for sure. Um, dinner table stories of the property deals he'd struck up and the cool moments and things the, the, back in the days where there was bank checks and all this other stuff. And mm. we could write up a check and bring it up to the owner and go take this and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Uh, that was just cool. Um, and then the third part was um, just being in the bank, like you're working from the age of 18 in the bank and seeing everything happen around you. Like, I don't know how you can have a day in that career and, and, and not be curious. Like, I know there'll be people out there who aren't curious about what's happening in that world, but to, to be surrounded by and day in doubt and, and not be curious is very rare. And so that curiosity of going, how does that loan work? Or how does, what is that customer after? Or how come that person's got five places? This person has one. How come they can borrow 300K and the other person can borrow 2 million? So this curiosity with everything that started from a very young age means it's, um, it's actually like a, you know, almost like breathing or drinking water or eating food for me. It's not even, it's okay. not even like a separate thing where, right. you know, it's actually inbuilt with me, like I fresh 18 and that's all I know. Like, so that's, that's, that's a big part of it. What, what advice would you have for young people then? Cause like I, I started getting into investing when COVID hit and I've been sort of uh, consistently putting money into different ETFs and things just to build up my investments to hopefully get into property at some point in the future too. And I've got friends that want to invest and don't know where to start or they, you probably knew people like this when you were younger too. Like they say they're interested, but they go out and drink every weekend. You know what I mean? So like mm -hmm. for those people, I wonder if, if there's something you could say, like what, what would you say to young people that want to get started and like, I don't know. Uh, how would you convince the people that are sitting on the fence? Mm. Um, I would say there's a couple of things. Number one is when it comes to our portfolio mapping strategies and our sessions, the difference someone can have from starting in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and how much it goes on, like imagine in one spectrum, you can make a few moves and those few moves with the beauty of time will set you up so well that there is no sort of risk parameters you've got to be scared of. And by that, I mean, you don't need to be overly aggressive because those few moves early in life can make you feel like you'll get there. Whereas the other person has no choice but to buy four or five properties in the next 10 years, sell off two or three, fingers crossed that the first two grow and double in the next 10 like that's the difference. So mm. just imagine knowing that you could take such less risk in your earlier phases of life, such, such less aggression, uh, sorry, in your later phases of life by starting early. So that's the first piece. The second piece is, um, you know, you're wanting to have fun at that age. I get it. And you actually can, but I challenge you to just not break the rule of two things number one 
is don't break the rule of your savings patterns. If, if you know that day one, you've saved X percent. And I used to play this little game to myself. Mentally, it was a hard one, tell you that. Um, it was a 40-50-40-50 game. Okay. And it was transitioning through 40% of your net wage to 50% of your net wage to 40% of your gross wage to 50% of your gross wage. Mm. That was a savings game. So you had to save that much of it. I know for some people who are saving 20, 30% and like, that's a really good job. I'm not saying that this game is like, you know, the easiest walk in the park I was fortunate to have higher incomes. I was fortunate to have a partner with me who'd been eye to eye with me since the age of 20, 20 mm. right? Since the age of 20, which is unreal. Um, so as a result, like that helped, but that 40, 50, 40, 50 is a game changer. So with that rule, number one, though, if you can go, I'm now going to make sure that I'm saving at least this much day one, the moment I get paid. Heck, if you want to have the rest of your money all in drinks, you go for it. Have a mm. great time. Enjoy yourself. Because honestly, life, life gets harder, as you know, like nowadays, yeah. I'm not even, I just about to hit 30 next week. And, um, you know, I've been, I've been getting up every morning at 5.30 a.m. since the age of 15 and um, maybe 14. So mm. since, since those ages, I can definitely feel it's getting harder as time's getting closer to 30. <laughs> and I'm sure we'll get harder at 40 and I'm sure we'll get harder at yeah. 50. So um, same with the, the knees, right? The knees shooting hoops, um, was grabbing onto the rim at 16, 17, getting as close as possible to being a dunk where you could argue with your mate that it's a dunk and they'd say, no, it's oh, not that's a dunk. Awesome, yeah. <laughs> right? And now where I'm lucky if I touch the net. Yeah, yeah. So okay. um, I think uh, all I could say is have a good time, but that savings yeah. piece, as soon as you got that aside, you're in good hands. Yeah. The, the other piece on the whole, um, the second rule for them on the, on the finance side would be just, dedicate yourself to um you know career and income growth like you know from the finance side mm. you change that income bad boy in a borrowing capacity calculator and that's like just a multiplier big time yeah. to what you can achieve in wealth creation mm. and so i'm not here to say jump jobs every every six months or i'm here to say um, you know, say no to everything that doesn't pay well. They're they're all part of life experiences, right? Like yeah. I was working in the, the grocery store in New Zealand, in Wellington. For those who are Kiwis listening to this, uh, good old New World was where I was at, which is uh, uh, equivalent to what I'd say a Coles over here kind of thing. Right. So um, I was working there what, at 16, and that was my first, first sort of job, 16, 17. And um, I, I was not getting any more shifts than a Sunday shift. So one day. Mm. And so just because they weren't giving me any more shifts than a day a week, I was like, I'm going to work from open all the way to close which was like 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. So um, uh, like, you know, that, that wasn't anything special. But the thing was every single opportunity, whether it be learning from mentors, whether it be skills that I didn't have, reflection on what I didn't have, mm. uh, working harder than the other person. If you can commit to those two things of a constant focus on career growth or income growth combined with saving that little bit aside, have as much fun as you want, whether you want to drink, whether you want to go out to events, whether you want to go to parties, whether you want to, uh, buy cool stuff. Those two things in those younger ages will for sure um, change your trajectory when it comes to wealth building. Okay. Before before we got to get out of here, just because you're Kiwi, you have to know who Shapeshifter are, yeah? Yeah, man, for yeah. sure. I saw those guys in concert when I was like 14. 
in Sydney. <laughs> Epic. Such a good gig. They're great. Oh, and look, uh, New Zealand's got a, a few things like, you know, like music like that. Uh, UFC yeah. fighters. I'm also a UFC yeah. fan. Uh, Israel yeah, yeah. Adesanya yeah. is just kicking a lot of ass these days. Um, and, and yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of good stuff coming out of back home. Yeah. hundred percent. Well, before I, if, if anyone wanted to, uh, learn more about investor kit or get in touch with you or listen to any of the podcasts, do you want to just give them all the plugs and before we get out of there? Yeah. So, uh, investorkit.com.au, uh, is, um, our buyer's agency. And if you want to know more about, uh, what we're doing on that end, I encourage you to check out our white papers, our blog posts, our research there. And uh, our podcast, The Property Nerds, that's on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple. And um, once a month, we're releasing episodes on that about all things property data. Easy. Well, thanks again for the time, man. I really appreciate it. I'm glad we got to do this. Anytime, my friend.